the Purple Mafia with your host, Paladino Joey. Well, we'll see. The doctors would disagree, but what do they know? So let's just say that you'll pay me because it's in your interest to pay me. Is it worth it? I mean, you've won. You want to wipe everybody out? I don't feel I have to wipe everybody out, Tom. It's just my enemy. That's all. My father taught me many things. He taught me, keep your friends close, put your enemies close. These are wonderful things that we've achieved, and there's no limit to where we can go from here. Welcome to the family here on Purple Mafia. It is Monday, February the 21st, 2011. It is episode number 86 of Purple Mafia. It is great to have you on board with me once again today. Purple Mafia is available on thesportstuff.com and on iTunes. I thank each and every one of you always for downloading and listening to this show. I appreciate it oh so very, very much. Well, it's the much-anticipated State of the Vikings 2011. Oh, goody. State of the Vikings 2011. Yeah, well, this team has a long, long way to go. A long, long, long way to go. <laughs> Unfortunately, being last year was such a frustration. The 6-10 and 10 Minnesota Vikings, we hope we can possibly maybe be the reciprocal next year. 10-6, and 11-5. Wouldn't that be nice? Well, then again... The record makes the team look further away than they were, but at the same time, <laughs> the play of this team at certain positions does make things feel awfully far away from being a winning team. That's why I was. That's why I said that coming into the show. Quarterback position, well, that's a pretty big gaping hole. We'll talk some about that. Defensively, the Vikings were awfully frustrating. The wide receiver position has star potential, but does it have long-term star potential? Maybe, maybe not. The Vikings did retain Chad Greenway today. Literally today, as they gave him the franchise label. That's the good news. The bad news is, well, Sidney Rice didn't get it. So, who knows what's going to happen with him at this point in time. Though, did he deserve the franchise label? Well, probably not. So, again, this show is going to be all about the Vikings today. We're not going to talk about the Packers, or the Bears, or the Steelers, or anybody the flip else. Well, (laughs) we'll mention certain... Players from, we're going to talk about two players anyway, from the, one from the Rams, one from the Colts, Bob Sanders and OJ from the St. Louis Rams. I still can't really say his name, Adegoy, OJ Adegoy. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, yep, this is all about the fans again today. This is all about the fans today, fan involvement, most valuable player, biggest disappointment, biggest surprise of 2011. Uh, Some people may have taken the biggest surprise a little bit the wrong way, but hey, you know what? I don't care. (laughs) It's okay. They more mention events rather than biggest surprise, meaning in terms of a player, I would say. Uh, Some of you probably won't agree with my biggest surprise in terms of you'll be like, well, what do you mean? What were you so surprised about? You know, he's supposed to be good. Well, you'll find out who it is, and uh, I'll give you a reason why. Maybe I wasn't as high on this player as other people were you may kind of have a guess at who it was if you listen to the show the past year or so. 
And he listened to the... Yeah. I just... Not sure... I wasn't really sure coming in just how good this player was going to be. So some of you else saw it a different way. Um, yeah. We're going to pretty much get into things right away here. The Facebook page... I keep wanting to say Facebook group. The Facebook page is where most of the fan interaction does come from. Facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. Facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. Also, there is a Twitter account. Do give that a follow. Twitter.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. Uh, guys out there, please help me out. When you do go to the Facebook page, scroll down and look on the, on the left side where it says like. Click on that. That's basically how you join the Facebook page and... Purple Mafia show gets more recognition. I could really, uh, I really would appreciate that also very much. Also, one other quick thing: another way to get involved with the show, of course, is to call in 209-736-7877. 209-736-7877. Again, no call-ins this week. It's been quite a while. It's been maybe two months, maybe three months, shucks, since there's been a call-in. And um, well, I'm starting to realize why there hasn't really been call-ins. I walked past the Vikings locker room yesterday in Ridgedale, and nobody was in there. Nobody. Yeah, it was Sunday. I mean, people are off work and stuff. I mean, maybe not everybody. I'm sure a lot of people work on Sundays. But there was nobody in there. That does tell you something. And I know it's the off season, but it's like the fan interest kind of slouched quite a bit. So, yeah. Again, as mentioned, all about the Vikings. All about, well, we're going to kind of sort of review 2011, of course, a little bit. Not oh so much, not everything about 2010. I don't know if you really want to remember all of it. We're going to try to try to figure out a way to improve this team if possible. A lot of your fans like to do that as well by posting on this page. Uh, yeah, they're trying to get a new stadium in Arden Hills. That's right, Arden Hills in Ramsey County. Of course, not Arden Hills, Michigan. Because, <laughs> I mean, I always think of Arden Hills, Michigan. Michigan Wolverines, you know. In Arden Hills, the Gophers are going to Arden Hills this week, and they're going to get stomped by the Michigan Wolverines. What else is new? You know, stuff like that. I know that's not because I hate the Gophers. It's just because they don't ever win in Michigan or here against Michigan. But that's, again, a whole other story. So we're going to get right to it. (laughs) Purple Mafia show on the Facebook group. Page, excuse me, page. There is a Facebook group as well, but I think we've pretty much transferred over here to the page. Dan Taylor comments, of course, him from the UK. He says, I'm going to ask the doomsday question. This is a big thing. If the Vikings move to LA, which I don't think they will, would you still support them, or would you switch to another team? I'll just read my comment, you know, because basically it's what I said, uh, you know, what I'm going to say anyway. Yeah, my choice, honestly, would be to not support a team that decided to move away to the big city, the quote-unquote big city. Honestly, as hard as a transition as it would be, I'd probably become what many a folk here were before the Vikings started in 1961. A Packers fan. Yeah. Oh my god! Yep, I'm sorry, uh, sorry Viking fans for that, but uh, that's just... That's just how it is. Uh, that's how it would be. I'd be, a, I'd be a Packer fan because, well, they're the most local team, as I say here. Um... They are the most local team in Minnesota, and yes, the podcast would become that as well, meaning this would be a Packer podcast. Again, let's hope none of the above ever happens. Forgive me, Purple Mafia faithful. Yeah, I mean, hey, yeah, this would become a Packers show if the Vikings left town. Now, please don't come to conclusions and think I'm this Packer fan now, and everybody's got to leave Purple Mafia because he's not a Viking fan. 
No, I'm saying if they left town, I'd be pretty pissed, and I think the rest of you would be as well. I mean, would you really want to cheer for an L.A. team? I doubt it. I'm sure a lot of people would be pissed off and probably become Packers or Bears fans or maybe just some other team like Baltimore or New England or something, but if you want to stay local, probably Packers. I mean, I probably would be there, there you know. I probably would be. Well, not I probably I would be. Tony L. Coleman agrees with me. It says, part of my support from the Vikes comes from the fact that I live here. If they left my home, it would be very difficult. I'm not sure I could do it. I would be very disappointed. Yep, I agree with Tony all the way. I mean, <laughs> yep, and it's like Packer Mafia. Who knows? Though, of course, winning a Super Bowl would heal the pain. It would. Yes, it would. Chris Tucker's response. Now, Chris Tucker's from Vancouver, Canada. Vancouver, British Columbia. Uh, he says, losing a team is brutal. When the Grizzlies left, oh man, oh man, oh man, yeah, that would suck. Left Van City, it was impossible to root for them. Plus, it didn't help they were a brutal franchise. As much as the Vikings moving wouldn't affect me, in terms of, you know, how he would live in, you know, he's still in Vancouver, you know, I still hate to see any team leave a city and hurt the local fans. And, uh, yeah, it would suck, and it does suck, and, uh, I feel your pain, Chris Tucker. We lost the Minnesota North Stars. That really hurt. I did support the Dallas Stars for a while, but really, I kind of like, well, but the problem was my second favorite team at the time was the Hartford Whalers, and what happened to them? They moved to Carolina and became the Hurricanes. The Calgary Flames are still around there. They were my third favorite team. Now they're my second favorite team behind the Wild, but uh, they stunk major butt for quite a while in the 90s, the Calgary Flames, so in the early 2000s. By the time the early 2000s rolled around, the Wild came, and they were a division rival for the Wild. So that kind of complicated things there as well. Anyhow, moving on. Jerry Hicks. Jerry Hicks returning. It's been a while, Jerry. He says, you all would still be Viking fans, although it would not be the same. I, I, I live here in St. Louis, and many of the people here are still Cardinal football fans. Yeah, Cardinal football. Yeah, see? St. Louis Cardinals actually did play there. Yep, St. Louis Cardinal football, that is. And uh, he says, I doubt the St. Louis fans were as hardcore about the Cardinals as many of the Vikings are, many of us Viking fans are. Having said that, please stay in Minnesota. I was born and raised there, and the Vikings are Minnesota. So yes, Jerry Hicks is a transplant to St. Louis, apparently, which is cool. Um, no problem there. Great to have your fandom of the Vikings and of the show, Jerry. Uh, man, <laughs> I could totally understand that. Uh, and, yeah, the Cardinals weren't very good. That's part of the problem. And, no, I'm not ripping. Just they were one of the doormats of the of the uh, NFL. And the funny part is one of the other major doormats of the NFL moved to St. Louis. Those are the L.A. Rams who were just, well, they had a few good years, I should say, in the late 80s and in the late 70s. Uh, they kind of got, you know, the Vikings beat them in the NFC Championship game years ago to get to the Super Bowl many years ago, of course, before I was born. Um and they got to the NFC Championship game in 89 and lost to the eventual champion 49ers. Um, of course, got steamrolled by the 49ers. But, uh, yeah. Neither team really a major piece in the NFL until Kurt Warner was their quarterback, which is hilarious. <laughs> hilarious, especially the Cardinals. Uh, really a doormat of the NFL until Kurt Warner got there. And then, of course, Kurt Warner, before that, way back in 99, took the Rams to the Super Bowl. That was Amazing stuff. It really was. So with that, we will quickly, quickly move on here. Or at least semi-quickly. To, well, I guess this is the main topic. We're just going to get to it right now, being I put it on Facebook, and we're going to kind of scroll up to other topics. We're just going to kind of go here. We're just going to kind of go. 
it's pretty much how things are going to be here and now. This is the big part. And of course, my picks will be at the very end of the show. Notice I did not write them on Facebook because I'm saving it for the show. <sighs> yep, it's going to be interesting stuff. Well, again, here was question for episode 86 of Purple Mafia. Who are your choices for the 2010 PM Awards? Purple Mafia Awards. <laughs> Please name your Vikings MVP, biggest disappointment, and biggest surprise for 2010. Also, please mention why your choices will be read on air in Purple Mafia's Purple Mafia, Purple Mafia's episode 86, State of the Vikings Address 2011. Here we go. Tony L. Coleman, the first to post, and here we go. He says, Vikings MVP, very difficult to choose. This year was such a disappointment that nobody really stood out as being awesome. Only two Pro Bowlers this year, and one was an alternate. Rice only played for half a season. Harvin was out so much. Webb showed how green he is around the edges. Uh-huh. Though he does have very real potential. Allen was unusually quiet. At this point in time, I don't really have a choice for MVP. Peterson would probably be the closest I would come. But this year was disappointing. His biggest disappointment was Brett Favre. I really thought going... <laughs> In this was go- in, in this was going to be our year. In our in the words of preseason Favre, I thought this is it. If we couldn't get the Super Bowl with that team, I thought how could we ever get there? Brett Favre was supposed to be the strength, wisdom, and leadership we needed, but instead he just looked tired, sore, and broken. His interceptions were through the roof. He was an Iron Man, possibly to a fault playing when he really, really shouldn't have on the f- been on the field. So sad to see such a legend go out the way he did. Biggest surprise? Now, again, this is an event rather than a player, but that's okay. It's just, I guess it's part of the year. I guess it's just, it's been that kind of year. Or it was that kind of year. It just, it sucked hardcore. His biggest surprise? <laughs> the dome collapse. Oh, come on! <laughs> and that's pretty much what the, uh, everybody's feelings are about the dome collapse. It was uh, pretty ridiculous, to say the least. It was uh, it was ugly. Really? I mean, this really happened? Yeah, it did. The collapse of the roof of the Metrodome could possibly have been the nail in the coffin for the Vikings. Just when they had a string of home games and a new coach and a chance to have a small comeback, the home field fell down, stripping the Vikings of their home field advantage. And yeah, it really was the final nail in the coffin. I mean, playing in Detroit against a potential playoff team with the New York Giants ain't going to get it done. Playing in Detroit is not a home game at all. Uh, Farzine, I accidentally, his comment was removed because I, I didn't realize he had already posted a response. I literally put out the, uh, the headline for this, you know, the thread on the Facebook page for Herbal Mafia, and I noticed there was something wrong in it. I deleted it and rewrote it with the correction. And, of course, when you delete the thread, unfortunately, people that had posted there, their threads were deleted. Unfortunately, Farzine's was. Though I do remember his, uh, <laughs> what he said. I hope he's listening. Of course, Farzine Vasugian, uh, the host of the Chief Zone, which is also available on sportstuff.com and on iTunes, his team was one of the more surprises in the NFL this year. So he wasn't very surprised because he did pick the Chiefs to have a very solid year and win their division, which they did. Great pick by Farzine there. Um, 
but yeah, no, his his MVP was Brad Childress. He was making fun of Beast, they being sarcastic. Brad Childress was the MVP of the Vikings because you know he made them basically worse, and his biggest disappointment was the Metrodome. How it just it couldn't hold up to the challenge, basically, is what he said. Something around those lines, and uh, it was classic. I wish he reposted. I tried to, I told him to repost, but he didn't. His response is, it's all good. I thought I was removed because I was poking fun at the Vikings. And, and no, you're more than free to poke fun at the Vikings. I'm surprised there haven't been more Packer fans uh, poking fun at me on here. I mean, because I know there are Packer fans listening to this show. I know there are. I mean, one named Dakota Schmitty. If you're still listening out there, hey, post on this page. Say something. Heck, your team just won the Super Bowl for Pete's sake. Why not? All right, Dan Doro, Vikes MVP. Leslie Frazier for keeping the team together through the tough times. Biggest disappointment, Favre and Randy Moss. Now, that's going to be a very common thread coming through. And you know what? It's uh, Here's a hint of what I'm about to say. Yeah, that's a pretty strong, uh, yeah, that's a great, that's a strong statement right there, or a strong, they're both very strong candidates and the most deserving candidates for that. The biggest disappointment. Yeah, Favre and Randy Moss. For the little time he was here, uh, yeah, biggest, yeah, Randy Moss for the biggest, for the little time he was here, yeah, he was horrendous, he says, biggest surprise, not being in the playoffs, seriously, I have to, I have to go with how the team played like crap this year, tons of talent, but no effort, come on, man, yeah, it'd be like almost as if the Miami Heat, with their big three, went out there and were, were awful, they won like 28 games or something, and LeBron James couldn't, uh, or let's say Dwayne Wade, because he already won a championship with the Heat. It'd be like if Dwayne Wade couldn't uh, hit a shot, his field goal percentage dropped into the 20s, and he turned the ball over like four times a game, and he was just awful. Bad decision-making, and LeBron James was like, didn't give a rat's ass, and Chris Bosh was injured or something. That's basically what kind of year it would have been, like Miami Heat equivalent to the Vikings. That's what it would have been like, pretty much. And that's pretty much what how things turned out. Um... Yep. Well, the Farzine stuff was taken care of already there. Chris Tucker, that's right, Chris Tucker. No, we're Dan Taylor first. He says, MVP, Adrian. Still consistently one of the best runners in the NFL. And if he isn't already, then he can't be far off being the best running back in Vikings history. Which I strongly agree with right there. Very strongly agree with. Also, don't forget that he totally cleared up the fumbles this year. Agreed, 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 Dan Taylor. Most disappointing, as tempting as it is to say. Favre, it has to be Moss. At least Favre was trying. Moss was just an embarrassment. Biggest surprise, the stadium collapse as an event, followed by the Moss disaster. As for a player, there we go. He's he's one that actually didn't know what I meant by... You know, when I say biggest surprise, it's more of a player. But, hey, the putting the events are kind of cool, too. It just adds to the show. I thought Webb did more than anyone could have expected as a rookie. Still, he has a long way to go, but impressive in bursts. Very, very good post, Dan Taylor, right there. That was excellent. Excellent thoughts right there. Yeah, it's like, I'm going to comment on it quick. It's like, yeah, I mean, Webb... Webb, you know, he he did more than you would have expected. He wasn't even supposed to be a quarterback. He was the sixth pick in the sixth round pick, excuse me, in the draft as a wide receiver, kind of a wannabe Antoine Randall L type. Ends up being a eh, not a great quarterback, but helped the Vikings beat the Philadelphia Eagles on the road when the Eagles are trying to get the number two seed in the NFC and they can't because Joe Webb helps the Vikings get that. 
you know, helps the Vikings surprise the Eagles on Monday Night Football. I mean, that was pretty good. Or was it Tuesday night? Excuse me, Tuesday night football because the uh, another storm got in the way this time in Philadelphia. Hilarious how things went with the Vikings here. Um, yeah, a long way to go, but still impressive in bursts. That's the thing. Yes, he does still have a long way to go, but he was impressive in bursts. So very good thoughts there, Dan Taylor. You know, not knighting Joe Webb as the quarterback of the future or as a potential star, or whatever, and, and also not throwing him in the, in, the, in, the, in the tank either, you know, not saying Webb is total crap and, and doesn't deserve even consideration of any kind ever, 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 no, so very good thoughts there, Dan Taylor, Chris Tucker, that's right, Chris Tucker, his most valuable player, AP, Harvin, Winfield, all tied, rest of the team blue, also I give partial marks to Webb and to ownership for finally firing Chile. So you got partial marks to Webb and all. Yeah, the ownership gets part MVP right there. That's pretty funny. Chris Taylor, good thoughts there. Winfield was awesome. That's a name that hasn't showed up in here. Harvin kind of up and down in there. Uh, but Winfield was awesome this year. Chris Tucker, that definitely deserves response right there. He was fantastic this season. Nobody ever threw the ball to Antoine Winfield this year. Never. There's a reason for that because he was he was the he was the uh, cornerback that was good. The other side wasn't good. It was a <laughs> it was a frustration all year. Asher Allen, I think, is a below average cornerback. <laughs> and Lito Shepard, who used to be a pretty good cornerback from the uh, Indianapolis Colts, not so great. This year, excuse me, the uh, I keep calling them the Colts. It was actually the New York Jets. I believe it was the Colts also. Excuse me, yep, Colts and Jets was not so great. Chris Cook was hurt, and when he did play, he wasn't so good because it's just so many injuries. Uh, Frank Walker was most was strictly uh, special teams, and you know you get the you get the idea there. A very frustrating year at the cornerback position. Anton Winfield finished third on the team in tackles, despite the fact they never threw the ball his way. Andrew Minfield is a flat-out stud, and he uh, actually helped close out a game earlier this year with the interception. The guy is a stud. He's a stud, and uh, it was so nice to see him play up at that level once again. It really was an awesome, awesome thing. And yes, a very deserving franchise tag given to Chad Greenway. I'm just looking at these numbers right now. I'm going to get more into that as soon as... uh, I get to my official picks, my Purple Mafia picks, which actually are going to happen right now. So let's get to it right now. The official Purple Mafia choices, meaning your host, Joey Wygen, as Dylan introduced me at the beginning of the show. The picks for Purple Mafia for 2010, the 2010 season, of course, State of the Vikings Address 2011. The most liable player for the Minnesota Vikings, in my opinion, far and away, Adrian Peterson. Yep, Adrian Peterson, though when you look at his stats, you wonder, really? That's it? 1,298 yards and 12 touchdowns. He officially lost one fumble this year. Now, the fact that he lost one fumble is fantastic. He had a great year in that category. Favre lost five fumbles this year and officially fumbled the ball seven times. That is Warren Moon level. That's uh, really bad. Culpepper level. Well, maybe not Culpepper level. Nobody's that bad. But, um... Mm-mm-mm. Man, Favre had a lot of turnovers this year, didn't he? Woo-wee! But no, Adrian Peterson, not only 
didn't fumble the ball, not only had a 4.6 yards per carry this year, just fantastic in that category, but also was able to break loose a few times this year. He had, he had an 80 80-yard 80 burst during the season. He looked kind of like the uh, Adrian Peterson of 07, and it was a it was a pleasure. It really was a pleasure. The main reason Adrian Peterson's numbers were not so high this year. Well, the Vikings were behind in almost every game, and when you're behind, you're trying to save the clock, not run it out. Literally, run it out, and uh, that's what that's what happened. That's what happened. A disappointment this year, Toby Gerhardt. Not good, not a major disappointment, but disappointment. Toby Gerhardt, the rookie, 322 yards. Now, the yards per carry, very good at four. That's pretty good for a backup running back, but three fumbles lost for a guy that was known for protecting the ball this year. What the hell? What the hell? Now, in terms of rushing the ball, Albert Young surprised a lot of people in terms of his ineffectiveness. He was ineffective. I don't know if that's a word, but I use it anyway. He was ineffective, flat out. He only played three games over the whole year. He was only active for three games this year. Rushed the ball only 13 times, 2.2 a carry, a long of six. Albert Young's long for the year was six yards. Oh, come on, man. That is pathetic. Um, <laughs> so, Albert Young, not expected to really be a factor going into next year. Um, didn't really compete on special teams either. I mean, if he only played three games overall for the year, the guy was pretty invisible to say the least, and that is quite the shame. It really is. It sounded like going into last year that his special teams had improved, and he was going to be the third string running back last year, and even the third down running back this year. It ended up not being the case. Albert Young mm, may have played his way out of the league this year, and that's just, that's too bad. It's a shame. I wouldn't be surprised if the Vikings make a move there. We'll see. We'll just wait and have to, have to wait and see. I mean, you do have Adrian Peterson and Toby Gerhardt now at the, to actually run the ball, so we'll see how things go from there. So now, we're, when we're talking about disappointments, we're talking about frustrations. Who, you know, there are several players that played on this team. There are honorable mentions that I'm going to bring up right now. Your first your second runner up. Now we'll do we're gonna do runners up for the biggest disappointments. This has been that kind of year. Second runner up, nah gosh, I wish I did that for the MVP. <laughs> Would have gone Antoine Winfield and uh Percy Harvin. Okay, Percy Harvin and then Antoine Winfield. Percy Harvin would have been second runner up, first runner up would have been Antoine Winfield. But anyhow, your first runner up or yeah, I'm never gonna get this right. Second runner up for uh biggest disappointment for this year is Jared Allen. Absolutely Jared Allen. Now statistically you look at his numbers and say, well what's Joey complaining about? Really, what what is he complaining about? Jared Allen had an interception touchdown. He had a pick six this year, two interceptions, eleven sacks on the year. I mean I wouldn't have even been able to tell you the guy had eleven sacks this year. I would have thought he had maybe five. Because Jared Allen for most of the year was invisible. He just had a few hot games. He was very, very streaky and overall, most of his streaks were very negative this year. He was completely ineffective against the Green Bay Quackers when the Vikings needed it most. When they got it last year, Viking fans celebrated and enjoyed it. Though, again, Jared Allen pretty much boosted his stats last year as well because he had such good games against the Packers. Ah, oh, man. But uh, this year, just certainly not the case. Jared Allen is your second runner-up for biggest disappointment on the year. First runner-up is going to go to... Mm-hmm. 
your first runner-up is going to go to Randy Moss. Randy Moss. Now, the only reason he's not the biggest disappointment being he was completely worthless. Randy Moss was 100% worthless to this team this year. He didn't do anything. The guy didn't exist this year. He was a ghost. He was a hologram. He was he was a guy. He he was he was Tony Bland. Remember Tony Bland? No, no. I bet you hardly any of you remember. He was a preseason practice squad wide receiver for the Minnesota Vikings that wore number eighty four for a couple years. Then Randy Moss came in. That's right, Randy Moss came in, and uh, Tony Bland still wore number eighty four during the nineteen ninety eight preseason. Randy Moss wore 18, Tony Bland wore 84, then all of a sudden regular season rolls around, Randy Moss suits up in the number 84, and the rest was history from there. Randy Moss was Tony Bland. He was worthless. Didn't, hardly got, I mean, couldn't get open, and when the ball was somewhat near him, he couldn't catch it. He just could not catch it. The effort level was awful. Um, The quarterback was awful as well. And the root of the problem for 2010 you can already guess who it is. I mean, there's no doubt. Brad Childress isn't a disappointment because he's, everybody knew he wasn't that good of a coach. Now, uh, I stayed off of him last year because the season was going really well, and Brad Childress had a very good season as a coach. Brad Childress was the biggest surprise last year, as far as I'm concerned. In, two, in 2009, excuse me, he was the biggest surprise that year because he actually was pretty good overall, I thought, most of the year. He, it actually looked like he kind of knew what he was doing, in 2009, most of his most of his challenges were good. Most of his decisions were good across the, uh, during the course of the game. Uh, some, I think, he may have done a little overkill on the Dallas Cowboys and teams like that. But then again, nobody likes the Cowboys. Nobody does. If, you know, if you don't play for them or you're not like a, you don't live there, pretty much everybody hates the Cowboys. You know, well, eh, I shouldn't say that. They have a lot of fans, but yeah, if you're not a fan of them, you freaking hate them. Hate them with a passion, and you want to run up the score on those guys. But uh, anyhow, point be made. Who do you guys think the biggest disappointment for 2010 is? It's the guy that we put the whole season around. We put all the eggs in his basket. A guy that led this team in 2009 on a ride that we just, it looked like, it made the Vikings the best team in the world. It made the Vikings look like we're finally going to win a Super Bowl. It made Viking fans lower their pride and cheer for a former arch rival who just who broke our hearts time in and time out in the past in those close games in Lambeau Field. A guy that we always got annoyed with how much attention he got from the national media and especially guys like John Madden, you know, who just couldn't stop babbling about Brett Favre. There you go. <laughs> couldn't stop babbling about the guy. But, um, no, your your biggest disappointment for 2010, absolutely, 110% is the same guy that we had to wait out yet again the whole year, all the spring, all the summer. We had to send three men <laughs> down to pick him up. And the guy looked like he'd aged about 15 years it looked like he had pretty much checked out mentally from the get-go. <laughs> and spiritually as well. I mean, Brett Farr, for whatever reason, 
was done. He was done when he came in. He was a dead man walking. Now, when you look at his numbers, his completion percentage of 60.6, not bad in the in the main frame of things, though. Some of the really good quarterbacks go up, low way up to 65-ish. But uh, <laughs> 11 touchdowns and 19 interceptions. He was sacked 22 times. Now, that's not all his fault, though his mobility was pretty horrendous this year, not surprisingly. Um, but no, the guy had mentally checked out. He lost his gift before the season even started. It's just, it broke our hearts in this town so badly. And across the Great Divide. I mean, because you have fans in Scotland, like like Jamie Gracie. That's a shout out to you. You have fans like Donna Aspinwall, who I talk to on occasion. You have Dan Taylor from England. You have Matt Emer from England. You have Chris Tucker from Vancouver, British Columbia. Columbia, excuse me. You have fans like Cedric Paulding in Mississippi, Jerry Hicks in St. Louis, all over the country. Some of them have lived here and some of them never did. All over the world. Aussie Wolf. <laughs> Nigel Southern from Australia. I mean, it's just unbelievable. It's unbelievable how many fans got their hearts broken this year. Brett Favre did not show up to play. He was horrible. He looked like Warren Moon, absolutely looked like Warren Moon when he was about 41. By the time Warren Moon was 41, the guy couldn't play anymore, but he still did play. He still forced plays, like he always did when he was younger, forcing the ball into double teams, pretty much couldn't get along. I mean, Brett Favre couldn't really get along with the coach. Granted, the coach was as bad as Favre. But you can't label Brad Childress as a disappointment because nobody liked him anyway. Brett Favre was a legend who had a great year last year. You could never expect a man to have that kind of year twice in a row, two years in a row. It's almost impossible, especially at that age. But at the same time, the drop-off was astronomical. Astronomical. And uh, it was the root of the problem. The Vikings put every stinking egg in their in the in Brett Favre's basket. We did not get an Aaron Rodgers. We didn't get anybody one fourth of the way near an Aaron Rodgers level via the draft the past several years. But even just the past year and a half, why didn't the Vikings pursue a quarterback within the last couple of years? Here, nobody knows. Nobody knows other than <laughs> Coach Childress was. And I hate calling him that, but yeah, co-coach Childress, former coach, I like calling him that, uh, was so married to Tavares Jackson for the longest time that uh, the Vikings never really did make a move. I mean, yeah, we finally took a quarterback who was more of a receiver than a quarterback in Joe Webb. You took John David Booty, who couldn't complete a pass if his life depended on it, and he couldn't throw the ball 30 yards either. I mean, shoot, I might as well go try out. John David Booty was not a good quarterback in the NFL. College, okay, yeah, he was, he was above average, but um, in the NFL, no, of course not, of course not. Couldn't cut it, folks. Couldn't play, can't play. Hit the bricks, and that's what happened to John David Booty. I mean, but no, I mean, the root of the problem this year was Brett Favre could not complete a pass. The whole morale of the team was horrible, though, and it all started from Brett Favre. It just flat out did. 
and there's no doubt about it, your 2010 biggest disappointment, Brett Favre, <laughs> with a bullet. All right. And that's my final speech on Brett Favre until maybe someday I'll talk about 2009 again. And it'll be a positive light. I'll try to keep it as positive as I can <laughs> next time I talk about Hopefully it will be a positive thing to talk about at the time. Like how close we came in 2009, but we finally got it done in 2000XX. You know, I'm not going to say the year, obviously. Let's just let it happen. Okay, 20, 2011. Yeah, okay. We'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, but here's your biggest surprise for 2010. A lot of you will say, why is he picking him as a surprise? He's supposed to be good. He was a really, he was supposed to be good. He was highly touted coming in. And he was good in his rookie year. But Percy Harvin, ladies and gentlemen, looked like a star this year. Especially when Randy Moss did come in and he did draw defenses away from Percy Harvin. Just Moss's presence here. Not because Moss did anything right. He just him putting on the jersey that says Randy Moss on it, or just Moss on it, that is, made people go to Randy Moss. Percy Harvin exploited any holes he could get this year when when he was healthy enough to do so. And he was outstanding for for a guy who played with a quarterback that couldn't complete a pass. Uh, Joe Webb officially does not have a touchdown pass in the NFL yet. Tavares Jackson played, well, he threw touchdown passes, but tons of interceptions as well. Uh, the quarterback play on this team was about as bad as it's ever been. You know, it was, it was almost 2007 level. I mean, it was awful. 2007 and 2006. Kind of like 2006, actually. Favre was like Brad Johnson, and then Webb was kind of like Tavares, except better. You know, like a better version of Tavares, we'll say. Um, like how Tavares came in. Excuse me. Trying not to cough my head off here. Um, but yeah, for Percy Harvin to achieve what he did this year with such horrible quarterback play is um, remarkable. For, for Adrian Peterson to achieve what he did this year with such horrible quarterback play, and of course the lack of receivers as well, Moss not being effective in the in the in the long run, um, Rice being hurt almost all year again that affected Percy Harvin, <laughs> Bernard Berrien just being as terrible as ever, just terrible. The guy's terrible. Um, Seven million dollar piece of crap in Bernard Berrien. There I said it. Um, for Percy Harvin and Adrian Peterson to achieve what they did this year was pretty damn remarkable. And the one guy on defense that you got to say really, really stepped up and did a great job was Antoine Winfield. Those are the three best players on the team for 2010. And uh, Percy Harvin is a biggest surprise because I wasn't... <laughs> if you listen to the show, guys, if you listen to the show last year, I wasn't that high on Percy Harvin. I thought he was inconsistent. And, of course, the, the migraine thing, which still plagues him to this day, major frustration. I figured, well, this guy might never really get over the hump here in this league. He'll, you know, he'll have a good game, but then he'll be out. Or he'll come back and he'll be ineffective. But when Bruce Yarvin does play at his potential, the guy could be as good as anybody. And uh, he surprised me in some of those deep completions this year as well. Though, again, I'm going to say a million times, if you're going to throw deep to Percy Harvin, it should be up the middle. And when they did throw up the middle to Percy Harvin, he, he got it done for the most part. As long as it wasn't overthrown by a millimeter like it was in, in the uh, the Packer game. Yeah, the Packer game in Lambeau Field. That was a heartbreaker. Uh, Favre stunk so bad in that game. And we still almost won. 
but yeah, Percy Harvin really does look like a star, and you hope that uh, he can continue to recover from that, <laughs> the whole migraine situation. Percy Harvin, of course, led the team in receptions, in receiving yards, and in yak. That's yards after catch. Adrian Peterson, phenomenal in the yards after catch as well this year. Uh, he received 341. He had 341 receiving yards. Did Adrian Peterson again, the MVP of the Vikings. Almost a 2,000-yard year this year, despite the fact he didn't really get the ball all that much. He really didn't. So that's pretty much about it in terms of the MVP, the... Uh, <laughs> the MVP, biggest disappointment and biggest surprise. Um, yeah, who wasn't surprised by the collapse of the Metrodome? Metrodome roof, not the Metrodome, but the Metrodome roof. Let's <laughs> clarify there. But, uh, yeah, who wasn't surprised by that? Uh, yeah, I don't blame a soul for that. It was uh, quite the quite the, the, the spectacle. So that's going to conclude this current topic. We're going to get into a couple of others, in, which include the 2011 Vikings. And, of course, uh, where the Vikings will play in the future, or where we hope the Vikings can play in the future. We're going to take a quick break, and we will get to that right after this. We are back here on Purple Mafia, episode number 86, which is a reminder for iPod users my, and also the Microsoft Zune and all other MP3 players. Thank you for joining the show once again, which is available on thesportstuff.com and on iTunes. So we're going to continue with the actual Facebook group. It's just we wanted to split the topics up a bit. Chris Tucker has an interesting post here on the Facebook page. He says, Bob Sanders and OJ... Adeguay, both safeties released today. Both are studs, and either would be a huge upgrade and make the lack of a third-rounder go away. Um, yeah, because, of course, trading the third-rounder for Randy Moss that we never used. Very cool uh, post there by Chris Tucker. Now, the thing is, Bob Sanders. <laughs> We're going to get to Bob Sanders first. Now, clearly, out of the two, Bob Sanders is the more talented player. There's no doubt about it, and he was the se- he was the second over uh, second round, twelfth pick in the second round in 2004. Bob Sanders clearly, when healthy, which was only twice in his uh, now shuck seven year career, seven years, he's been healthy two out of seven years in his career, and he still has not played 16 games in a single year. But no, a very talented individual who just gets it done. I mean, the guy gets lots of tackles. He had three and a half sacks in 2007. Fantastic year for him for the defending world champion Colts. Now he played on the the, the world champion team, but only had played in four games that year. He played only six games in his rookie year, 14 games in his second year, of course, four again in his uh, third. 15 games in 2007, which statistically is career year, but since then has played a combined nine games in three years. That's right, nine games in three years. There's a reason why Bob Sanders got released, and it's because the guy can't stay healthy. He just cannot stay healthy. He played three games the last two years, starts. six games in 2008, two in 2009, and ten 
or in one, excuse me, in 2010. The million dollar question is, is the guy physically capable of staying healthy? Is the Erie, Pennsylvania native capable of staying healthy? I have no idea. The guy has Pro Bowl talent. He is now, shucks, he is 30 years old now already, too, which is kind of another thing. Well, no, he's not 30 yet. He turns 30 on <laughs> Thursday, which is the trade deadline for the NBA. Do check out Timberwolves Explosion. Timberwolves show that I record as well on sportsstuff.com and iTunes. But no, yeah, <laughs> his birthday is on the trade deadline for the NBA. That's kind of cool. But outside of that, can the guy stay healthy? I don't know. It, if he did, it'd be fantastic. He'd be a massive upgrade over Madiu or uh, anybody else. Now, physically, yeah, you can tell he's a free safety. He's only five foot eight, two hundred six, so he's most likely a free safety at that height. Very small individual in terms of the NFL. Though I suppose he can play strong safety. I mean, Antoine Winfield's small like that as well, and he's he's a great tackler. This guy actually is a great tackler, so I shouldn't say that. He could probably play either safety position, but. Uh, I have no idea if this guy is physically capable of staying healthy. If you can get him at a very, very reasonable price, maybe look at it. Uh, uh, other than that, gosh, you know, <laughs> it's a very disappointing <laughs> stat line. Is simply, you just look at his career stats. You look at the games played. It is very, very disappointing. His overall stats, though, when he stayed healthy, very good. So we'll just have to wait and see how that turns out. You're just going to have to wait and see. Indeed. So now we get to O.J. Adegway from the St. Louis Rams. Shucks, he was <laughs> he was released last Friday by the Rams, who you know who would rather than pay a eight million dollar roster bonus that was due on Monday. He is released. Um, he can be signed at any time by anybody. O.J. Adegway. Now you look at his numbers; not quite as sexy as the Sanders. When healthy, when Sanders was healthy, certainly more attractive numbers. Now this guy taken a year later, 2005, third round, second overall pick in the third round, but much more solid, much more healthy, and he actually has improved for the most part over the course of time. Much more healthy. Uh, he missed time in his rookie year, probably because he was a rookie and didn't really play every game. He only played 12 games that year, and he played 12 games in 2009. Due to small, due to some injury problems there, but overall, 16 games in the other four years. Definitely not as talented, but a but larger. He's five foot eleven, and uh, 210 pounds. He gets more interceptions, that's for sure. So if you want a ball hawk, it's uh, I gotta go with OJ. I'm not even gonna say his name. OJ Adigway. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Adigway. Uh You finally get a guy who can get some interceptions. He was most likely more of a free safety in that sense. He's more of a ball-hawking uh, safety than uh, is Bob Sanders. Now, if he could get both, that'd be pretty cool. Uh, I highly doubt the Vikings are going to are gonna get both. If I had to choose one of the two, though, I, I'm going to go with Adigway. I'm going to go with Adigway, especially if you can get him at a decent price. It'd be nice to get a guy who can get some interceptions in, in the at, at the safety position. I mean, it does not exist with the Minnesota Vikings. Interceptions at the safety position does not exist. Now, interceptions do not make you a great football player, but it'd be nice to get to create some turnovers. It'd be a start, and i got to think he's an upgrade over Medea Williams or even Hussein Abdullah. But uh, maybe you bring him in and you have to pair him with Hussein Abdullah. 
I think that's very doable, if, if that's possible. And you still have Jamaica Sanford. Um, I would love to get Adigway over uh, Medea Williams, who's also extremely expensive. The guy doesn't really do anything. He can't tackle, and he sure the hell doesn't get interceptions. So why not bring in O.J. Adigway? That'd be my choice right there out of those two. Uh, listeners, you can respond to that all you want on the Purple Mafia page or with a call in 209-736-7877. Mention you are calling in for Purple Mafia. And, uh, of course, as it, is, as it is a voicemail, do treat it as such. And uh, then make your comment. So that would be terrific there. So that's pretty much the end of the, <laughs> excuse me, the, the uh, free agency. Because right now we don't know how much free agency there is going to be. <laughs> As we are less than 10 days away from a potential lockout, of course, officials from both representations are meeting, the players and the, and the owners, of course. I'm not going to really take a side at this point in time. Um, you could say either side is wrong or right. I, I just, I'm going to leave it as is for the time being. If we get into a lockout, we'll pro- I'll probably have more of an opinion as we move on. We'll see who really is kind of like not the not-so-good guy. But uh, now we're going to get into the final topic. The Metronome has holes in it still to this day. The, the repairs are going to take forever. They're talking about they need a whole roof, the whole new roof for this, the building. It will not be the cheapest thing of all time. And, of course, the Vikings' million-dollar question is, will the new stadium be on the site of the Metrodome, or will it be in Arden Hills? That's, of course, in Ramsey County. Um... If they go to Ramsey County, you got to, you got I mean, is it a worthwhile replacement, replacing the roof? Well, I guess so, because it's three years. I mean, three whole years of football, it's going to take a while. It's going to make, I guess the roof will probably pay for itself in the, in the course of time. I would hope it can, maybe at least break even somehow, some way with that. Otherwise, well, the Vikings may have to play in TCF Bank Stadium early. They would have to play in TCF Bank Stadium if they wanted to build on the site of the Metrodome. And, of course, that's 15,000 seats less than the Metrodome. That poses a huge problem in terms of revenue sales. The place is a more, it's a more attractive place to play. There's uh, lots of lots of more fan, fan amenities. But what's going to happen here? I have no idea. <laughs> I have absolutely no flipping idea. We never heard anything about Arden Hills before, though a lot of people sound fairly excited about it. Though it looks like they may be looking at a half-cent sales tax, according to an article in the Star Tribune. Rochelle Olson and Mike Gazuba of the Star Tribune. Um, It's going to be interesting, this is in this article. It's going to be interesting, though. We could be looking at a half-cent sales tax increase that would provide $300 million towards the stadium. Um, It's going to be interesting to see how this turns out. It really is. Is it a great place to uh, put it? I, I've heard mostly nothing but positive from people that I know. Uh, it's very, it's a very open area. This particular, the particular area, though, other people say how congested <laughs> Arden Hills is. But at the same time, that particular area could could be wide enough for parking and everything. And it is tied into all the roads and all that, and and eventually the. Railroads as well. That is a good part in one way and bad in another, potentially. That's a story for another day, the railroad part. But um, the good part is it is right on all the freeways, which would be a huge plus for fans to get to the building. (laughs) 
which where the Vikings would eventually play in this situation. Arden Hills, I, it's a, it'd be a long try for somebody like me, though, for a lot of us Minneapolis residents, Minneapolis Golden Valley in my case, you know, Minneapolis suburban re- residents, it'd be kind of a, it'd be kind of a, a trek, but of course, it's the Vikings, and uh, there you go. Downtown Minneapolis is ridiculously congested, and the parking isn't all that great. It, it really isn't, and it's ridiculously overpriced. And uh, I got to think, Arden Hills, just like Bloomington, would soar in. Whew, it would uh, that city would get a lot larger in in a lot of ways. So a lot of businesses would pop up because of this. So the half cent sales tax that annoys some people, I'm sure. In fact, a lot of people. But at the same time, it'd be kind of interesting to see just how positive a stadium would affect Arden Hills. A Vikings stadium. Not just a stadium, but a Vikings stadium would affect them. It's going to be very interesting to see how things are going. Uh, one part of this article says the Vikings are reportedly revising cost estimates for a new stadium to replace the Metrodome. The team's home for 29 years, and previous price tags for a stadium have been nearly $900 million. That's, that's a lot. <laughs> Some stadium advocates have pushed a funding plan that would have the Vikings contribute roughly a third of the cost and a local government and possibly a state, and possibly the state contribute the rest. The team's Metrodome lease expires after the 2011 season. I just cannot stop coughing here, and I apologize, listeners, again. So, gosh, you do the math right there. That's $600 million coming out of this uh, county and the state. That's a lot of money, so... <laughs> it's a long way to go here, though. Of course, I got to think the economy would help, or excuse me, that would help the economy over in Ramsey County, and in the city of Arden Hills. Though, gosh, that is a lot of money, folks, coming out of the state. Granted, three hundred million dollars coming from the Vikings is a lot of money as well. Uh, the whole thing is just insanely expensive. <laughs> Stadiums are getting ridiculous. I got to think they're going to come to something smaller. Smaller in price, anyway. We'll we'll see, though. Maybe not. This is going to get really, really interesting. It really is. Again, the amount of uh, the amount of the tax increase would be around a half cent, which is what a, which is pretty much discussing throughout this entire article. This is kind of back and forth. One politician says, in this economy, it's really important to look at any project that would bring in a lot of jobs, and I think the Viking Stadium has the potential to do that, so I do agree there. That is Representative Nora Slawick, a DFL from Maplewood, regardless of, uh, regardless of which way I vote. That's a, that's a nice stance to have right there. She says that there are ways to structure it that I would be open to. Yeah, so uh, it's going to be interesting right there. And I wouldn't mind right there. Uh, Tim Mahoney, a DFL from St. Paul, says, "Let's do it with a sales tax." Mahoney said, "I'm I'm I'm not hot or cold on a stadium. So long as it's reasonable, I'm okay with it." So he says, "Let's do it with a sales tax." Um, yeah, I mean, and it kind of depends on what the sales tax will be. That's the million dollar question. The biggest thing that I keep coming up with, and that a million other people are, you know, would probably agree with. Whatever happened to the metronome sales tax? Yeah, see, it went up a half cent, but then what's it contributing now, 29 years later? It didn't go back down after the dome was paid off. See, that's the million-dollar thing here. Where's the money really going? <laughs> you know, yeah, you really wonder that sometimes. The government is pretty creepy, pretty crooked. I mean, it should be 
I think, I just wish, God, and I'm going to say this on the air, I just wish that that half-cent tax from the 1982 Metrodome could, could just be a permanent stadium tax that would have gone to Target Field and any other stadium in Hennepin County. Now, unfortunately, you go to another county, well, then you have to do it all over again. But still, there you go. It's like it would be a permanent stadium. It would pay for a new stadium later on. There it is. You don't increase it. It just keeps coming out of that. But they always just kind of slip it under the rug, and here's and, and we have no idea where that money's going. If somebody wants to call into the show and fill me in on where that money's going, I would appreciate it oh so very much because maybe I'm not enlightened and I have and uh, it's going to something that's oh so great that we all need to know what it is and that uh, it's just it's such a noble cause. <laughs> Which, these days, I'm not so sure too many noble causes exist when it comes to taxes. <laughs> I'm not so sure they do. Some do, and some don't. But, um, again, that's a topic that not everybody needs me to say right now. Um, a permanent a permanent stadium tax would be, I think that would have been a nice idea, but, of course, it'll never happen. That That's the joke of it, though. Again, I'm going to keep saying, you raise the sales tax, but then when the stadium's paid off, if, if if ever, but yeah, when it is paid off, it never goes back down. It just stays there, and then they raise it again for the next one. It's kind of weird, you know? <laughs> it's something that just doesn't add up, does it? It doesn't really add up. I think they paid for the Metrodome quite a long time ago, considering it wasn't even $100 million bucks, <laughs> Because obviously the price of everything went up, and then a half cent tax went up too because the price of everything went up. I mean, think about it. Half percent, you know, it's just half percent, half cent. It just it's getting weird. It's getting weird indeed. When the price of something goes up, then the half cent goes up again. It's just, uh, it's an it's a endless it's an endless back and forth. It really is. One way or another, I hope we can get this done and we can have a stadium be it in Arden Hills, be it in downtown Minneapolis, and that the Vikings do stay in town, and we're not talking about Los Angeles at any point ever. Ever. There's already one purple and gold team in Los Angeles that used to play in Minnesota. And that was the Minneapolis Lakers, that are now the L.A. Lakers. They stole five NBA championships from Minneapolis and still call them their own, which is something that Marcus the Forecaster was a occasional guest. I wish he was on more often Timberwolves Explosion, but uh, really he's upset about uh, on a frequent basis. I mean, they took those championships away from us. They're still there with the Lakers. They count them with the Lakers, which I think is not fair. The Twins don't count the Washington Senators 1932 World Series, do they? No. They say the Twins have two championships, but they were the Washington Senators in 1932 and the Washington Senators won the World Series. So why do the Lakers get five extra NBA championships? See? Just watch the Vikings. Just watch the unthinkable, the biggest nightmare of all time. Even bigger than failing miserably with Brett Favre at quarterback a year after we were barely made it to the Super Bowl, only to watch the Green Bay Packers, who Brett Favre played with for years, go on and win the Super Bowl. And basically spit in our face, <laughs> in, in a sense, to watch them go on and win the Super Bowl and mock us. Just to stare at us and mock us. When we came out so close last year with their guy, um, there's one thing that could happen that would be even worse. The Vikings move out of town and win the Super Bowl. <laughs> that would be the biggest nightmare of all time, and I pray to God that never happens. 
I pray they win the Super Bowl in Minneapolis or in Arden Hills, but as long as they're Minnesota Vikings, and that's all there is to it, long term and forever. To the end of time, the Vikings play in Minnesota. <laughs> end of the NFL or whatever. I don't think the NFL is going to be ending anytime soon. <laughs> Unless the lockout's permanent, which it won't be. Um, but no. I just hope and pray this can get done, and I'm sure all of you out there do as well. With that, we're going to get to the contact details. Purple Mafia, again, available on thesportstuff.com and on iTunes. So I'd like you to please join the message boards on thesportstuff.com. There's a button in the upper right-hand corner that simply says TSS Boards. Click on that, then click register, create your screen name. You can talk with all the other uh, fans in the division because Dylan Richardson split the uh, NFL uh, forums in divisions. So the North Division, NFC North, you can talk with all the fans in the NFC North, not just Viking fans, but of course Viking fans as well, which is fantastic. You can get in discussions. Uh, people on there are people on there are respectful. They're not going to talk trash to you, uh, you know, in a negative way. Maybe in a fun way, but never in a negative way. They're not going to say Minnesotans are, are idiots or Viking fans are stupid. It's not like that on there. It's more respectful. It's more mature. And uh, I'm just asking you out there also to please keep it that way. If you can, like you do on the on, on the Purple Mafia page. I mean, we've had some wonderful conversations on the Purple Mafia page on Facebook. Do that as well on the sportsstuff.com message boards. Would appreciate that also very much. Don't forget about that. And, of course, the Twitter, twitter.com forward slash Purple Mafia show. And, uh, again, the call on line 209-736-7877. 209-736-7877. It is a voicemail. Do treat it as such. Mention you're calling it a Purple Mafia and make your comment, shout out, question, opinion, whatever it is. And you'll be on there and you'll be ready to rock and roll on Purple Mafia and have your voice with mine, as always. So, episode number 87, we will be talking about either, we'll either be talking about free agency or we'll be talking about, that's right, the collective bargaining agreement. So, one way or another, we'll be back. In the not-too-distant future, one week or two, depending on how things go, Purple Mafia episode number 87 will be on air, and we will, as always, have something to talk about. <laughs> Please do call in. That would be great. And continue to post on the page. You guys are always awesome and always welcome to post more. Don't forget to invite a friend to listen to the show, and maybe even if you could, rate Purple Mafia on iTunes. Give it a nice rating and uh, state why you like the show and maybe what you'd like to improve as well. Until episode number 87, we are going to bid adieu. Take care, everybody.